I was actually drunk one night. And I was like, I'm done having these apps. Drunk self-development. Drunk (laughs) self-development. And I deleted them. Anyway. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of To Be Honest, The Hottie Potty. (laughs) (laughs) You're an idiot. (laughs) My name is Amanda. And my name is Kara. And we are both 28 years old. Oh, we're both 28 years old. One of us just recently turned 28 in between podcast episodes. Mm -hmm. It's not me. No, so it must be me. Must be you. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I'm feeling uh, 28 and feeling great thriving feeling great Mm -hmm. we're celebrating with our friends tonight Mm -hmm. it's gonna be a vibe it's gonna be a vibe Mm -hmm. yeah did you enjoy your birthday like your actual day oh i actually had one of the best birthdays i've had in a really really long time that's great it was so lovely i woke up had breakfast with cara it was such an energy at our favorite coffee shop Mm -hmm. i then lay in bed with fake tan on watching bondi rescue for a couple of hours iconic so (laughs) random of you (laughs) and then uh my friends bonnie and bray took me jet boating we had lunch then we went to holy moly and played mini golf you had a jam-packed birthday it was a very (laughs) me birthday i must say and then i also found out i got into a super league netball team on my birthday iconic iconic for those of you who don't know super league is basically like playing for like the the Queensland, right? Like the state almost? No. <laughs> That's what you said. No, you said you played netball for the for Queensland. No, I said I played for the Gold Coast. Oh, sorry. Okay, for the Gold Coast. That's still that's still it's... really impressive. <laughs> Not quite as impressive. If I was like, yeah, I'm playing for Queensland, like I would be getting paid for that. That's for, no. that, that's for on your 29th birthday. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, found that out. And then also we had dinner with the girls at one of my favorite restaurants. So it was just mm. a vibey kind of day and looking forward to continuing to celebrate tonight. And personally, one of the things that I kind of found was like great on your birthday was that at that restaurant, we were sitting down, we're talking about Taylor Swift as we fucking do. Mm-hmm. And the waiter comes up and he just says, I think 1989 is coming next. And we were like, you are speaking our language. Yes. Like, and he just started talking to us about Taylor Swift and he was a fan. Oh, he was a fan. And I loved that uh-huh. because it was such a vibe. It was such a vibe. And the restaurant was really quiet as well. So like he got to have a good chat and it was good. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Anyway, with all that being said, my darling, what do you have to be honest about this week? Okay, so I'm going to throw a light one out this week. Oh, please do. I have to be honest about the fact that I'm really kind of finding my love for podcasts again. Oh, okay. Because cool. I really, I think I kind of got a bit bored with my like the shows that I was listening to, mm-hmm. or like just I guess like not looking forward to them as much. Whereas like I usually have like every single day of the week I have a podcast that I like to listen to, like on my way to work or sometimes at work. Yeah, yeah. And I was getting a bit bored, but now I'm listening to a couple of true crime ones, a couple of like low key, um, like just chatty kind of podcasts, mm-hmm. which I'm really enjoying. And I think the reason why I'm enjoying it more is because I have been going through a bit of a tough mental health time lately and like an, an anxious time and I find that they're super comforting mm. like sometimes I fall asleep with a podcast on so yeah nice actually something that people often ask in our podcast group is what are some podcasts that people recommend mm. so what are the podcasts that you recommend well I'm super into true crime so mm-hmm. I listen to my favorite murder <laughs> a lot I love those women uh-huh. they're like two badass like women from America who are just have like the best views on everything and they do it super respectfully yeah talking about true crime I'm currently listening to Where's William Tyrrell? Because if you're in Australia, that's a case that I think everyone kind of knows about. And Mm -hmm. there's recently been development. So I'm listening to that. I also like listening to um, The Sesh, which is a really 
really chill podcast mm-hmm. just by two like best friends mm-hmm. who yeah like literally just chat about everything that's going on every week no and it's so low-key so i really like those ones right do you have any podcasts you want to recommend um i listen to rob has a podcast which is a survivor Survivor. (laughs) i need to get into that although i'm probably gonna get some spoilers if i do no i don't think that you will i like i really enjoy listening to it he does four episodes a week on survivor and so he'll do like um what they call the survivor know-it-alls which is basically like an episode straight after the episode airs with him and Stephen fishback who's also a previous contestant and they do a recap then they do exit interviews with whoever got eliminated then they have two episodes which are like feedback shows with former mm. survivor players so if you pick your episodes right you won't get spoilers but imagine if we did like a survivor recap australia survivor podcast where like every week we'd get the survivor contestant it who would, just got eliminated on it would be a vibe that is actually actually a good idea i know people do that for like the bachelorette why wouldn't we do that for survivor well the thing is people do do it for survivor oh, okay in australia yeah so there's oh. something under so rob has a podcast <laughs> <laughs> rob has a podcast he like i think he runs survivor global and he has an australian woman called shannon and she is like known as being like the australian survivor like woman and Fine. she does like recaps and stuff like that okay anyway i think we could also do it but yeah 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 Anyway, so that's all, that's okay. all the podcasts I listen to. Great. Well, what do you have to be honest about this week? I have to be honest about the fact, and I will die on this hill, about the fact <laughs> that Ronan Keating's Love in Each Day is the ultimate party banger. Look, you cannot have a bad time listening to that song. You can't. You can't have a bad time listening to that song. That song has something in it. That song is a drug. It has a full energy. For mm-hmm. context, I was making my party playlist for tonight, and the first song I put on it, obviously. No, the first and only song you had on it for a while yeah. was Loving Each Day by Ronan Keating. By Ronan Keating. So if you haven't listened to it, add it to the queue after mm. this podcast. Iconic. Anyway, should we get into the episode? I think we should. So in case you haven't noticed, we're doing another Unprofessional Opinions episode this week. As we say every time, love these episodes. And we have some great questions this week. We have some questions that I haven't really seen much before that were submitted. So, as always, if you do want to submit questions for these episodes or any other episodes that we post about, you can do that on our Instagram at tbh.pod. And you can also join our Facebook community, to be honest, the community. That'll be linked in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. So, getting into the questions, I... Like Kara said, some iconic questions Mm -hmm. today. Really excited to dive into this episode. So the first question that we have is, how do you define closure? I thought this was a really interesting question because... I kind of, I guess, like, it, it almost feels, um, like, obvious what closure is because it's a feeling. Yeah. But to describe it is very hard. Mm-hmm. I think for me personally, closure is not necessarily being, like, not having any feelings about something or not being, like, not even not being triggered about something or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's kind of being at peace with what is. Yeah. Like understanding it, understanding why you feel the way you feel, but understanding that it's done and it's over mm-hmm. and being at peace with the with what happened in the past and being able to move forward happily. Mm. How do you feel? I find closure an interesting concept because I'm not sure that I totally agree with it. You don't agree with it in what way? Like I'm not sure that I think it's something that is a always attainable mm-hmm. or b is something that you should be like striving for well i actually agree with that because i do think that closure can come and go i think that closure is a bit like you know healing and that it's not linear yeah. like you know you can feel like i still sometimes feel closure about something that's happened to me in my past and then like i'll be in like a low moment or something will trigger me and i'll be like 
really, you know, in it again. And I feel like I won't have closure. Mm. So I guess maybe it's something that comes and goes and you kind of just have to figure out how you feel about it along the way. Yeah, I think so. And closure is something that I definitely have felt before. And it has been something that hasn't like, I've not intended for it to happen. I almost feel like the best forms of closure happen when you just get there on your own rather than Mm -hmm. striving for closure. That's why there's always those memes being like, I just saw him to get some closure. Oh my God. And it's so true, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Like I just texted, I just need to text him and talk to him to get some closure. I've done that. Yeah. Doesn't work. No, it doesn't work because like, if you're like, I feel like if you're looking for closure, it's really hard to get it. Whereas it's usually something that just happens over time. Yeah. Well, it's like, if I just knew this, I'd get some closure, but we forget that if we ask a question or if we do something, the answer or the response we're going to get is usually going to leave us with more questions. Mm -hmm. That's definitely a trap that I've fallen into in the past. Yeah, and it's hard because then you keep thinking like, I just need this. I just need this. I just need this. Mm-hmm. And like the closure is like never getting any closer. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. So that's very interesting. I really like that question. So if, so you don't know if you believe entirely. No, in closure, I, I definitely, closure. I definitely believe that it exists. I don't think that it is like as important as like, people say, as people say, but I think if I was to define closure, it would be a form of letting go and a form of like almost like I forgot that you existed. Here's the thing. Like Taylor have said, I don't need your closure. Mm-hmm. You don't need it to move on. Yeah. I think that's a really important thing that you just said. Yeah. You don't need closure to be over something yeah. or to get over something. Yeah. You can just leave it as it is. Yeah. Right. Great question. <laughs> okay. So the next question is, how do you deal with stress or anxiety or guilt around spending money? And we... Actually, I think we said this before, we really want to do a mo- an episode on money with like a money expert. Mm-hmm. We are working on that. As we've said a million times, we're working on getting guests on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Please be patient with us. But I do think that money, anxiety slash guilt or whatever, stress is super, super common in most people, regardless I- of how much or how little money you have. Yeah, I think that most people deal with some kind of like anxiousness when Mm -hmm. it regards in regards to money Mm -hmm. like you said even if people earn a really high income Mm -hmm. they can struggle to spend it they can have issues spending way too much money Mm -hmm. and and stuff like that so i think definitely remind yourself if you are feeling this anxiousness when it comes to money that like most people are feeling the same and so it's like totally valid yeah i think i personally and this is going to change person to person i personally try and deal with stress around money by really Kind of, I, what I do is I sit down and I figure out what I need to pay for, essentially. Like, mm. what are my non-negotiables? Obviously, like, rent, groceries, bills, things that I need to do, like, therapy, when mm. I need to pay for therapy and stuff like that. Like, those are my non-negotiables. And I kind of work that out. And I find that if I work out what I absolutely need to pay for, everything else feels kind of more doable because... You know, if I have everything paid for, I can do what I want with my money. It's my money. I work for it. Mm -hmm. So I do think that, you know, in terms of stress or anxiety, that really helps me. Um, I understand that that would be a lot. I'm in a very privileged position that I can can easily, quite easily cover my expenses at the moment. Yeah. Um, In terms of guilt, I definitely have struggled with that in the past with like spending too much money or not saving money and instead spending it. Mm. What about you? Oh, I definitely feel like, I mean, money is like something I've always struggled with in my life. And I feel like I have really struggled with like not having enough money to like sustain Mm -hmm. the lifestyle that I want to have. And then also 
feeling guilt for spending money Mm -hmm. on myself and being like, no, I shouldn't spend this money right now and stuff like that. Something I've really tried to remind myself is a, like I work for the money that I earn and -hmm. therefore I can try and create healthy spending Mm -hmm. habits with that. Like I obviously want to enjoy pleasurable things and stuff like that. So I try and remind myself because I feel like something I've realized as I get older is that a lot of people struggle with spending money on themselves in general. And I think it's really important, like obviously spend within your means, but Mm. it is important to enjoy the pleasure of spending money on yourself. For sure. And like figure out like what it is that you enjoy spending money on. Like I know for me and for a lot of our friends, like including you, like going out for a nice meal with friends is something that people can feel really guilty about because it's like, I can cook at home. I don't have to eat out. I don't have to spend this much money. But like I know for our friend group, going out for a good meal together is a really good thing to invest in for our own pleasure and our own experiences. And like, maybe that's the same for you or maybe for you, it's like actual, you know, like tangible experiences or, you know, I have friends who that is going to the movies, like spending money on going to the cinema or going to the theater or something that's really important Mm. to them. So maybe like if you feel guilt around it or if you're like, I'm spending too much money and like, I'm guilty. I don't know how to cut back or like like that kind of thing. Mm. Maybe just think about like, sit down, like, okay, like how much, Do I want to save? How much can I afford to spend on myself? And what do I want to prioritize? And what isn't really adding that much to my life when I buy it? Yeah. Like I've gone through phases where I'll buy like random shitty clothing or random objects that I don't really want or Mm. need. And I rarely use once I get them. Mm. And it is, it's a waste of money. And I need to consciously be like, why am I spending this? Mm -hmm. And that really has helped me in the past. So maybe that's something you can you can do yeah I agree in terms of like how do we deal with the stress and anxiety and guilt like I personally deal with it by trying to set healthy boundaries Mm -hmm. with myself as in not spending too much but ensuring that I do you know enjoy my life and spend money on things yeah also really check in with myself like I try for me like overspending can be an issue Mm -hmm. so something I try and remind myself is like when I'm going to spend like a chunk of money on something I say like is this something that's going to stress me out further down the line like is yeah. this a necessary purchase and if it's not a necessary purchase is this something that's going to make me feel stressed in a week when I haven't been paid or yeah or like, like is that. it something that I need to spend or is it something that will make me feel like the stress isn't worth it in a week yeah I also think another good thing is to communicate you know if you find that you're spending money and like you're doing it with other people or for other people it's good to communicate like literally yesterday I sent a message to our like group of five best friends and I said hey guys just letting you know I'm on a bit of a budget this Christmas because we do tend to call out on on gifts for each other it can be very difficult yeah Christmas is such an expensive period of time if you celebrate Christmas and so I just communicated that and actually like you know most of us came back and said yeah same actually like let's Mm. maybe like put a limit on how much to spend on each other yeah And that made it so much less stressful. And Mm -hmm. like we always say, when you communicate your feelings or your stresses with friends, good friends will always support you and will always understand. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so our next question is Fearless Taylor's Version Vault Tracks or Red Taylor's Version Vault Tracks? This was a really interesting question because when the person who asked it actually said it was like a controversial or like an impossible question to answer. And I actually don't think it is for me personally Mm -hmm. because I very much prefer the Red Taylor's Version Vault tracks Mm -hmm. and you're the same aren't you yeah i'm pretty the same except for the fact that i think don't you is such an illegal song don't you look the fearless vault tracks are illegal Mm. they are incredible don't you especially is a 
fucked up good song. Mm-hmm. But I personally find that I'm relating to the Red TV ones more. Yeah. I'm wanting to listen to them more. Um, I mean, like, what can you say? Like, nothing new. Bet you think about me. Forever all Winter. Well. All Too Well 10 Minute Version. Babe. Better me. Like, like, what am I meant to do with these songs? Yes. Yeah. And I do think that kind of comes for me from the fact that, like, obviously Fearless was back from when we're, like, 16, 17. Red was when we are in our, like early 20s yeah so it makes sense that maybe it's a bit more relatable yeah i agree i think that as we get older it's just a lot easier to relate like i know that reputation vault songs are going to be oh, my favorite they're going to be like, fucked it's, up it's just obvious so yeah i i do agree though like fearless and i think especially if i was into more country music like fearless taylor's version vault tracks would be like so rude oh yeah like they are not bad songs by any means it's just i think like the, the relatability, I guess, for me at least, is yeah. what really gets me about the red tracks. Like, yeah. I, every day I get fucked up over nothing new. And I'm not even a pop star. Yeah. I just relate it to my life somehow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next question is, how do I stop obsessing over and comparing myself to my partner's exes? So... As always, my disclaimer is I haven't ever been in a long-term relationship, but I do have some opinions on this, although I want to hear, Ducky, your experiences, thoughts, opinions first, since you have been in a couple of long-term relationships. Yeah. Look, I actually haven't really had much experience with like obsessing and like comparing myself except Mm -hmm. for one time Mm -hmm. when I was seeing someone, when I moved to the Gold Coast, I was seeing someone and he was still good friends with his ex Mm. and she was just like so different to me and like I think that I was very I felt very intimidated by her Mm -hmm. and intimidated by she was like very very in touch with her sexuality and like very I think she was just very sure of herself and really knew who she was and I knew that this guy I was seeing at the time had a very, very close relationship with her and they'd been through a lot together. Mm -hmm. And so I really struggled with that. But other than that, I feel like I have been relatively okay because I think something that's really important to remember, and this is what I try and remind myself a lot, is like if someone didn't want to date me, they just wouldn't. They would be with – I mean, obviously in some situations, like, you know, when you break up with someone, you still want to be with them and stuff like that. But you really, at the the end of the day – if you're with someone who you don't trust that they actually want to be with you and they want to instead be with their ex, genuinely, if they are making you feel that and if they're acting that way, that's probably just not a relationship you should be in. No. And so it's important to separate their actions and what they are actually making you feel from insecurity and self-doubt, which is obviously a totally valid and normal thing to feel. But I think in a lot of circumstances – if someone wanted to be with their ex, they would be with their ex. Yeah. They didn't want to be with you, they wouldn't be with you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's about figuring out, like, what's making you feel that way. Maybe communicating it with your partner is the best option. Like, obviously, that can be a bit of an awkward thing. But if you come there, like, come to them with, like, vulnerability and openness, I'm sure, like, a good partner would be more than happy to say, like, you know, like, reassure you, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want them. I want you. And, like, you don't need to compare yourself. Yeah. I think this is a really, really interesting topic to discuss because every circumstance is like so different like Mm -hmm. we don't know whether this person is still friends with any of their exes we don't know how long these people have been together what your relationship's like but I think that you really do need to a consider how your partner is making you feel Mm -hmm. 
Are they making you feel like there is a reason for you to be jealous? Do mm-hmm. Does their relationship with their ex make you uncomfortable? If it makes you uncomfortable, why does it make you uncomfortable? Yeah. Is it actually inappropriate or is it an inter- internal issue that you have? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because like a lot of the time, like for example, when I was jealous of the guy I was dating, his ex, it was coming from a space of insecurity mm-hmm. because I was so not where she was in terms of like, discovering her sexuality and and really stepping into her power and that kind of stuff and that's why i was so jealous well you were perceiving a lack on your end which it wasn't objectively true but Mm. that's what you were thinking was like yeah she's like more this than me or whatever yeah totally and i think that this can be very common is that Mm -hmm. we try and focus on like what we don't have that they have but a, a lot of the time we don't know our partner's exes and B, there's clearly something that you have that your that mm. your partner's exes didn't have yeah. that keeps them with you. And Completely. so I really encourage you to try and step into that and like remind yourself that like, A, if someone's making you feel jealous and making you feel like you're comparing yourself to their ex, really take a moment and be like, is this something that they are doing or is it something that I am Mm -hmm. doing? Because I think that's going to help you be able to identify like where you need to create change because you can't keep moving forward like having this comparison and obsessing over them. Mm. I think that it is really, really important to either check yourself or check your partner or check both of you. <laughs> it could be it could be a combination of both. And I also think it could be on that note, I definitely agree with everything you just said, but it also could be helpful to specifically get down to what you're comparing yourself to. Like is it body image? Is it like career? Is it compatibility or mm. like, you know, interests that you have in common or whatever? Like maybe think about that. Cause again, like we kind of talk about when it comes to like anxieties and insecurities, sometimes when you pinpoint what it is that you're worried about, mm. it can be more helpful to digest it and figure out what's okay and to kind of calm it in a way. Yeah. Um, maybe. And like, obviously there's a million things that we can compare ourselves to. Mm-hmm. So this is always going to change, but that could be also a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, our next question is interesting. (laughs) It is addressed to Miss Kara Reedy to my left. What is it like living with an influencer? I didn't know you lived with an influencer. (laughs) (laughs) Who else is in this apartment? Is it Tiger and Eva? (laughs) Look, honestly, like, it's funny because obviously you are an influencer. Like, it feels a bit weird saying that because I honestly don't consider you an influencer, but objectively you are. Yeah. You literally get paid to promote things because you have an influence over people. Mm -hmm. So what's it like? It's like living with your best friend who happens to have an Instagram following. That's what it's (laughs) like. Um, I guess like in terms of like, there's no downsides to it. I mean, I get to have great food all the time. I get to come home and have, I was about to reveal what your ebook's about. Ooh. <laughs> I get to come home and have delicious food for the past six months as someone in this house mm-hmm. was making their ebook. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we get free shit, and by we, I mean you. Sometimes <laughs> Ducky comes home and she's like, We just got sent this. I'm like, You got sent this. I'm just. I'm just like like hanging on to your coattails, uh-huh, really. Uh-huh. It's like there's nothing, there's not, there's no downsides to it, really. Especially because like I, and I've said this to you before, like I find that you're like just so real and authentic, and I find it really refreshing that like you are just such a genuine influencer. Thanks. <laughs> are you uncomfortable with me saying this? I don't know. 
<laughs> sometimes I can't take a compliment. Okay, I think, okay, that, that's coming through right now. Uh-huh. But it's true. Like, you know, I think as we've talked about before, like there are a lot of people who are influencers who maybe don't do it super ethically or genuinely and you are not one of them. And that, mm. so living with an influencer is basically just all perks and no downsides, in mm. my opinion, at least living with you. Wow. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> okay. So the next question is, how do I confront a non-confrontational friend when I know they are treating me badly? So we actually kind of get this sort of question fairly frequently, I've noticed, because I do think that a lot of people have this misconception about like confrontation or like they think I'm not confrontational. I can't talk about how I'm feeling. I can't say that I have a problem with someone. Mm. And the thing that I kind of want to stress is that you don't have to be confrontational. Like confrontational kind of has like a negative connotation to it. Yeah. When really like saying to someone like hey like I just really didn't feel good when you did this or said this or like I've noticed you've been doing this Mm. doesn't make me feel great can we talk about it yeah that's not confrontational and it's not bad to say that to someone who shies away from confrontation Mm. because in my opinion hard conversations breed like in the right circumstances positive change yes so someone being non-confrontational if you let slide constantly is only a recipe for disaster well it's just interesting the idea of someone being a non-confrontational friend it's Mm. like what do they do do they ever talk about things Mm -hmm. or do they just like literally let everything slide and by letting everything slide they kind of let their own behavior slide as well yeah exactly like i think i have people who probably disagree with this i don't think i'm confrontational i don't think you're confrontational but we both express how we feel in a like obviously civil friendly like loving manner when we need to yeah and that I I don't consider that confrontational I think for me confrontational is like it's considered to be like a bad thing because it's like fighting or like coming with aggression Mm. or coming with like anger Mm. and it doesn't have to be like that yeah when I get with this question I get the vibe perhaps that perhaps this non-confrontational friend is just like a non-communicative friend yes yeah are they non-confrontational or are they not communicating yeah because if they're not communicating that's a that's a them problem yeah for sure and like you said that is not only bad for them but it's bad for you as well that doesn't really make for a positive friendship if someone doesn't want to communicate anything and also they seem to be treating you badly yeah exactly also that look i think that if it's someone that you really like you want to be friends with regardless of whether the fact that they're treating you badly and they also seem to be not communicative mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know if i'd want to be friends with your faces don't be friends with them <laughs> i'm not i'm not trying to tell you what to do well look this is an unprofessional unprofessional opinions our opinion is that this is not a friend of someone who doesn't want to communicate doesn't treat you well doesn't want to hear how you are feeling in regards to their actions is not someone who deserves your friendship Mm. but with that being said i do think it's worth having a try and communicating to them how you feel so maybe you know that means like taking figuring out what's the right time to approach it like because there isn't, it's not like any time is the right time to necessarily communicate big, hard feelings. Mm. Figure out when should I do it? You know, of I, my opinion is always do it in person. Don't do it by text or anything like that. I know it's very 
tempting to do it via text because yeah. it feels less confrontational but yeah. it's not it's better to do it in person and maybe like just have a good think about what you want to say how you want to say it and like I guess like how it's going like how to say it to be perceived by someone else because everyone has different ways of interpreting things mm. and even though your feelings entirely are valid I'm not t- telling you to tiptoe around your feelings I'm telling you to consider how this person will best receive mm. what you're saying yeah and then like at the end of the day if you say something and you feel good about how you've explained yourself you said how you're feeling and they are not respecting it they're not changing they brush it off because they don't want to talk about it mm. i think that's a point where you really pause and you go is this person someone i want in my life yeah because that's on them. That's completely on them. Yeah. All you can do is communicate and do your best. And how people respond is not in your control. Mm. Okay, so how can I enjoy the upcoming holidays when there are always arguments at the table? Mm. Mm. I feel like this is something that a lot of people do struggle with around like the Christmas period or if you're in um, like America, like the Thanksgiving kind of period. Mm-hmm. But any like big holiday period essentially. Because I do think that when you have families, extended families all together, it's just difficult. And you potentially have alcohol. You have alcohol. You have different demographics and age groups, which just like kind of naturally mean differing like opinions Mm. on things. Honestly, I feel like the state of the world right now is especially quite like it's divisive. So if anything, it's probably harder at the moment to like not have these things come up around the table Mm -hmm. and I've definitely felt this around Christmas in particular like I love Christmas in terms of spending time with my family and everything but I've had some really difficult Christmases and holiday periods over the years especially growing up where I've been quite honestly like not to sound like dramatic but quite traumatized Mm. just from like some things that have been said or done like I'm a very like sensitive person in that way so like (laughs) I, I it does make me anxious so I completely relate to this I think that when it comes to dealing with arguments and stuff like that Mm -hmm. It's hard because it's like it does. It can feel like there's not a lot you can do. Well, I think it's. I think it's important to know that. Yeah, a lot of the time there is a lot that you can't do. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so, like, maybe this is a bit of an avoidant thing for me to mm-hmm. say. But when this sort of stuff has happened in the past, I just kind of avoid, avoid, avoid. I think that I don't think it's avoidant. Like, I don't know if you're talking about this specifically, but I don't think it's avoidant to say if you're sitting at a table and there's people arguing or if you say something and someone confronts you about it and is arguing aggressively with you, you can. If it's if it's to you, you can say, I don't want to talk about this. Mm. And if it's not to you and you are not really part of it, but it's making you uncomfortable to be around it, you can get up and leave and take a breather. Five minutes, go somewhere, sit by yourself. Yeah. Kind of like calm yourself down. Um, like kind of figure out like how you're feeling and just work on that by yourself for a mm-hmm. bit if the situation's making you anxious. And I don't think that's avoidant at all. That is taking care of yourself. Yeah. In the past when people have said things to me, I've literally just not said anything and just walked away. <laughs> I'm like, I, I can't be bothered. Or like you can you can say like, I don't really feel like talking about this. Like it, maybe like obviously it depends person to person. Like I've personally realized for myself that like getting involved in conversations can be quite triggering for me. But if you feel comfortable saying, hey guys, like can we just maybe like table this topic because Mm. I feel like it's not really enjoyable Mm. you could say that if you feel comfortable obviously at the end of the day realize it's not your responsibility to make everyone get along Mm. but I really think what it comes down to because every family situation is different is figuring out what you need to do if that happens realize that 
it's, you know, you can't control how people react, Mm. but you can control how you take care of yourself. Yeah. And I think as well with enjoying the upcoming holidays, I also want to remind you that like, it's very important that you do what is best for you Mm -hmm. at the holidays. There have been many times where I have not done the thing that probably everyone else wanted me to do. Like, yeah, like if you don't want to go to a family dinner or something, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to go, especially if you're, I mean, I don't know how many children like the under 18s we have listening yeah i'm I'm gonna guess not many but if you're an adult Mm. that's especially something in your freedom yeah so i think that's i think that's a good point to consider as well Mm -hmm. like if it means missing out on like you know an event that you feel obliged to go to but it's better for you to miss out on it Mm. that's something that i think you should consider yeah okay so i really liked this question because i feel like we haven't really touched on anything like this before (laughs) How do I speak up against mansplaining in a professional setting? I love that mansplaining is a term. I love that mansplaining (laughs) is a term. I've definitely experienced mansplaining in just general life and in the workplace. What Mm. about you? I don't know if I've experienced it that much. Okay. If I'm honest. Okay. I mean, great if you haven't. No, I don't like when I, especially when I think about work, I don't Mm -hmm. think I've experienced it. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. So in terms of, how do you speak up against it? So if obviously this person seems to be in a setting where it becomes a bit of an issue every now and then, mm. especially if it's in the workplace. So it is hard because the thing is, is that I guess with mansplaining, it's a bit of an issue because it comes across as not an issue, right? Mm. So it's hard to respond to it. One thing I do want to say is that I think a lot of time with mansplaining, and at least in my experiences, it comes with a lot of interrupting your like line of like what you're saying Mm. like you know someone will cut you off and start explaining things that you were just explaining or start talking over your thoughts Mm. so I think if that happens you can like I think it's really powerful to be like I actually wasn't finished talking yet Mm. like I I actually have more to say Mm. can you please let me finish just in a nice way a polite way Mm. standing up for yourself I guess Honestly, like if someone's explaining something to you and like you, maybe you're in the same position as them or like you work with them and they you have similar knowledge, you can just say like, oh, yeah, I understand all that. Like, don't worry. Like, I understand. It's almost like if they're being condescending to you, just be condescending back. <laughs> We're going for a completely different approach. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> but like, I mean, I'm never I'm never going to oppose being a smart ass. Maybe this is what, why I feel like I haven't been mansplained at. Because if anyone ever talks to me like that, I just tend to talk like that back. Well, I mean, I don't think... I think if someone is continuously doing it, like, it, it can definitely be a reflex. And I've definitely done that before. Mm. Like, I... But I've also done, like, you know, just, like, saying, I know. I know what you're saying. I know all that. Mm. Like, if someone's consistently doing it, you can... You have... You don't have to act like what they're telling you is breaking news. Mm-hmm. And look, I know we talk about this a lot, but at the end of the day, like... If it's really an issue, mm-hmm. it's really hard in the workplace because obviously, like we talk about all the time with everything, every workplace is different, every culture is different, mm-hmm. like, you know, your relationships with your colleagues are different. So there's not one way to approach it. But if you're – some people don't know they're doing it, honestly, because it's such a huge part of, mm-hmm. like, the patriarchy. <laughs> it's a huge part, like, that men just over-explain things to women because they assume, especially in a professional setting – that they don't know what they're talking about. Yes, and oftentimes they actually, like, and like we said, this doesn't make it okay. No. But they're not aware of what they're doing. Yeah. So even pulling them up on it, even if it might feel a little bit uncomfy, can be beneficial to both you and to them. Exactly. That's Mm -hmm. what I was going to say is, like, you could just say, hey, like, I've noticed that you, like, you know, 
if it's in a meeting, like I noticed that you explain things to they have quite a bit of awareness about in a meeting, just letting you know I'm across this, this and this. Mm-hmm. If they are professional good person they'll be like oh thanks for letting me know Mm -hmm. and hopefully they'll become more aware of it yeah obviously there are some people who are not going to be Mm self-aware not going to be receptive that's probably going to have to be something you might have to consider if you bring something up in the workplace yeah but i do just think in general a good way to do it is to stand up for yourself politely and professionally Mm -hmm. okay so how do i stop using social media out of habit and get myself to take a break from it Love this question. Mm-hmm. Love that this person's identified that they have been using social media not out of pleasure or enjoyment, but out of habit. Yes. I think something practical to do, mm-hmm. which I want to start with, is the fact that you can set yourself time limits on your phone. Yeah. And that can be really beneficial to do. And also to like, you know, at the end of the week and it tells you how much time you spend oh, on your phone, you're like frightful. It, I hate it, but I love it. Mm-hmm. But I, I do recommend having that. It's just like a very practical thing to have to actually be able to check in with yourself. And like, I think it's a good step to creating a good habit is just holding yourself accountable to things. Yeah. And I guess it makes you more mindful. Like sometimes I'll be like on the weekend, mostly I'll be laying in bed in the morning and I'll get a notification that I've already spent 40 minutes on Instagram. And I'm like, the fuck I've been awake for an hour. Like, and that's frightful, but it's good to know because then I'm like, oh my God, maybe I should just get out of bed and like start my day. Because when Mm -hmm. you're scrolling, I guess that issue is that you're just scrolling, 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 and you're not even consuming really. Mm. You're not really taking anything in. I think another positive way to do this is to kind of figure out times in the day which where it might be good for you to do other things. Like I just mentioned, like I try not to scroll on my phone as soon as I wake up Mm -hmm. you know I try not to do that because it's also I find like a better way like if I'm not getting lost scrolling I tend to get up quicker and Mm. I tend to get ready quicker and you know I tend more to like sit down with breakfast and I'll like check my Instagram notifications or I'll check check what's happening in the world and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so maybe it's not about I guess like cutting it out completely it's about figuring out what areas of your life would be just like you don't need to be on Instagram yeah and I think you can even do something like create a list of things that you could do instead of checking your phone Mm -hmm. like maybe even like take a moment to sit down with yourself and be like okay what are some things that bring me pleasure Mm -hmm. that I feel like I don't do enough of because I'm spending so much time on my phone out of habit Mm -hmm. and maybe even like I'm a big fan of sticking things up so I like look at them constantly (laughs) and I think that that can be something really positive to do to like have in your bedroom or something Mm -hmm. or in your bathroom and it just says like what could I be doing right now Mm -hmm. and you really like we don't notice as a society how present we can be if we don't have our phones I remember this is so fucking random but I'm just (laughs) gonna say it I was working with this girl once at a cafe and she was like, I'm going to try and start doing a raw poo. What? I knew you were going to be confused. The fuck is a raw poo? Is it a poo without your phone? And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, I'm going to try and not take my phone when I go to do a poo. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, okay, like why? And she's like, well, I just feel like I do that. Because I'm like, what else am I going to do? Whereas I could just like go and do a poo. Yeah, because it's like, I don't like, like, I can't just be You can't pooing. just be pooing. <laughs> you have to have your phone as a distraction. You know what I mean? I'll completely and get I it because I take my phone every time I go to the toilet, basically. Yeah, same. And I'm like, I don't really need to do that. Like, I could just do my poo. <laughs> yeah. And like, go. And so this is what I'm using as an example. That makes complete sense. Because I feel like it's, there are so many times in our life when we could be really present. Mm. <laughs> that we're not because we're just so used to having our phone out of habit and it's almost like we could look at things as being boring like Mm. doing a poo without your phone quite boring Mm -hmm. 
But maybe we could actually find more pleasure. Yeah. In it. And just the presence of it. I know, like <laughs> I pleasure in pooing. <laughs> But for example, like eating your breakfast, right? Like eating my breakfast, I literally always have my phone on me and I'm Mm. scrolling and I'm like, I could just like sit here with my breakfast, be intentional and just like enjoy eating Mm -hmm. my breakfast and sitting. Yeah. So fucking random. Like maybe, yeah, I guess like I completely agree with you. Like identify the areas where you're kind of just like not needing to be on Instagram. Like, sorry, I keep saying Instagram because this is very clearly coming through as an issue for me. Uh huh. I'm talking about social media as a whole. This person actually said Twitter. For them specifically, oh, wow. which is interesting. Yeah. I don't have Twitter. I know you recently deleted Twitter. I recently deleted Twitter and Snapchat. I was like, I am getting off these social media <laughs> apps that I'm spending too much time yeah. on. I don't post anything on them. Yeah. I'm just consuming, consuming, consuming. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. Mm. And so I was actually drunk one night. And I was like, I'm done having these apps. Drunk self-development. Drunk self-development. <laughs> and I deleted them. Anyway, I think that. We really just do use our phone and social media as like a go-to yeah. to just like have something going on. But I even think of times when I like, when I visit my dad, he lives in like this beautiful coastal mm. town and he just like wakes up in the morning. He just intentionally makes his coffee, makes his breakfast, sits on the balcony, looks at the ocean and he's just content. What a vibe. And I'm like, that sounds confronting to me. Yeah. And also there's a million things that like, like, I feel like we can kind of look at not going on social media as, like, well, what else am I going to do? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you don't. Like, obviously, we've talked about like, just before, like, being mindful is really important. So not having anything, like, the raw pooing. Like, you don't have to always be stimulated by something outside. Yeah. But you can listen to a podcast. You can listen to music. You could listen to an audio book mm-hmm. while you're doing these things. You're just not mindlessly scrolling. Yeah. So I think, yeah, like, understanding, like, what brings you joy and what just is like a, a thing that you're just doing to mm, do mm-hmm. is really important. Totally. Okay, so our last question for this episode is what do you do when you're struggling to follow your intuition? I think the number one thing that I would do is check in with the people that I love mm. and who I think know me and love me and support me because I think that they're going to be the next best thing to my intuition. I completely agree. I think that opening so funny coming from me but opening up and really communicating as much as you can to the people you were closest with who you really value their opinion who know you really well Mm. can be really powerful because like we've mentioned before when you kind of unpack what's in your head and you verb you say it out loud and that's why you know journaling is also really helpful Mm -hmm. because you get it out of your head it becomes more manageable. And also, especially when you say to other people, they can kind of tell you things that maybe you haven't thought about. Like, like you know, is this stressing you? Or is, mm. is, is this something that you're considering? Are you unsure about this? And maybe these are things that you haven't even been able to unpack in your own mind. Yeah. I also find that if I'm struggling with my intuition, like I, I, I'm personally quite an impatient person when it comes to understanding how I'm feeling mm. because I do a lot of internal trying to like work through things. So when I struggle to really get to the heart of like what it is that I'm feeling, Mm. I get a bit like frustrated almost. Uh What I've been trying to do lately is like sit with it. So I'll communicate with my friends and I'll sit with it and I'll just tell myself, I don't have to figure it out right now. Mm. I don't have to make any big decisions right now, no matter what it is you're trying to figure out. Mm. I can just sit with it and generally over time, especially if it's like a big major thing that you're trying to figure out, the feeling kind of like dissipates and you might find this like common level of 
what you're worried about or what mm. you're thinking or what the issue is and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be super helpful to I really agree. just give yourself some time to understand how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a beautiful way to end the episode. I actually think there's a more beautiful way to end the episode. Oh, is it with Loving Each Day by Ronan Keating? Yeah. Was it actually? Yeah. <laughs> but before we do that, thanks for thanks for listening to the episode. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. Hope you enjoyed Unprofessional Opinions. We loved it. We look forward to doing more. Mm. And if you want to submit questions or just keep up with us, you can do that. Yeah. At tbh.pod on Instagram. Yeah, and you can also keep up with us and our whole community, make some friends, have some great conversations Mm. by joining our Facebook group, to be honest, the community. Yes, you can also find Cara on Instagram at Cara R. Reedy and me on Instagram at Amanda Ducks. As always, we really appreciate you being here. And if you enjoyed the episode, we'd love if you could review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. And I think that brings us to the end. Hit it, Ronan. One, two, three. For loving each day as if it's the last Dancing all night and having a blast Baby, I need you here I need you <laughs> She's still going yeah. <laughs> See you next week, guys Bye <laughs> Since you said you're leaving But now you're